Good morning. That was a beautiful song by, by our Gloria. She, she really plays that really well, and it's such a blessing. And we thank God for the music we have in our church. It is, it is so wonderful. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we're so thankful this morning for those who are here. We know many are sick, and we pray that your healing hand would be upon each one and bring them back to us once again. And so we pray for especially our brother Bill, who was going to be our speaker Today, and we pray that he will be feeling better and once again will be behind the pulpit sharing the word of God with us. We thank you for our elders, Bill and Mike. They're both out today. We pray for them. We thank you for Adel, who's our elder and pastor. We thank you for all those in the church who serve. And now, Lord, we pray that you'll quiet our hearts before you. Give us soft hearts to receive the word of God, to change in our lives, to be more like the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and that your words would come forth, that you will fill my heart and mind with your truth and and my mouth with your words. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified. We ask that the Holy Spirit will take over and speak to our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. You know, our, our road system is pretty good when you compare it to it. We got sometimes potholes and things in the road you hear about. And sometimes there's traffic issues and roads seem to go one place and then you get lost. But we have GPS and so forth. But some some countries don't have the roads we have. And until fairly recently, there was a little town up in Labrador, Canada, that was completely isolated. It was a town called Wabash. And this little town had no roads to it. So the people were completely cut off from civilization, as it were, and society and one day they decided we need a road and so they, they built this road, but it wasn't a paved road like you and I have. And it was, it was a rough road and it was six to eight miles into the town of Wabash to get there. And then there was only one way out again, six or eight miles back the way you came in. And it's really quite a lesson because, you know, each one of us are born by birth into a town called Sin. And as in Wabash, there is only one way out. A road built by God Himself. The Bible speaks of the broad road that we're born on that leads to destruction and many are those who find it. But when we come to God's road, it's a narrow road and it leads to life and it says few are those who find it. And the way to get on that road is you have to make a U-turn. You have to turn 180 degrees, just like as you're going into the town, you have to turn around and come back out of it again. And we're going to talk today about repentance, which is a complete turnaround. Before we're walking in our own ways, our own plans, our own dreams, our own ambitions away from God. And then all of a sudden he starts to convict us to bring us back. And that's what repentance is all about. It's a turning back to God. Like in the story of the prodigal son, he went off into a far land, spent his father's inheritance in riotous and prodigal living. And all of a sudden he woke up to the fact that there was many people back at his father's house who had plenty of food to eat, good jobs, all that. And he says, here I am starving in this foreign land after spending all that he had and then working there on a pig farm. He goes back to his father. And his father doesn't turn him away, but puts his arm around him, puts a ring on his finger, a robe on him and 
says, let's get the fatted calf and let's rejoice because my son who is dead, he was gone away, is back. And God delights to see the repentance of our hearts, to see us turning back to him. And sometimes God has to be very patient with us. He waits days. He waits weeks, months, even years for people to come back to him. And he loves us and he can't wait to put his arms out around us and bring us back in. The Greek word for repentance in the New Testament is the word metanoia. Meta means change and noia means mind. So repentance is a change of mind. But it's not just a change of mind, it's a change of heart. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of lifestyle. It's a change of the way we live. And you know, when you talk about subjects like sin, repentance, and things like hell, it's not popular nowadays. I bet if you took a survey of how many messages today in many churches are preached on these subjects, you wouldn't find it very often because people don't feel comfortable with it. You convict me about it. We feel uncomfortable. God wants us to feel convicted. He wants us to feel uncomfortable. When we don't know the Lord, He wants us to come to Christ and accept Him as our Lord and Savior. And as believers, He wants us too to repent. When we get off track and we go down the wrong road and we sin against Him, there is a road back. There is a way back to God. Bill McDonald wrote a little tiny thin book that says there is a way back to God. Throughout the Scriptures, you see it Old Testament, you see it New Testament, people that took that road off the wrong way and had to make a repentance and turn back to the Lord. So the title of our message today is Repentance Needed. Repentance is needed. And throughout the Scriptures, we see countless examples of people that repented. We see it in Job. We see it in King David after his sin. We see it in King Manasseh, who I'm going to mention a little later. We see it in Jonah. We see it in the Ninevites who repented of their sins. We see it in Peter. We see it in Zacharias. And we see it, or in Zacchaeus, I should say, and many others in the Bible. So today we're going to look at two points. We're going to look at the repentance of the unbeliever. And then we're going to look at, secondly, the repentance of the believer. Just two points. And may the Lord touch our hearts. You know, when John the Baptist first came and he went out in the wilderness to preach, what was his first message? His first sermon, his first words were found in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. It says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Interestingly enough, the Lord Jesus, when he started his earthly ministry, said the same words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not only is the kingdom of heaven at hand, the king was at hand. The Lord Jesus was here on this earth. And he called upon people to repent, turn around, turn back to God. And there's a need for this today. There's a need for it in our nation. There's a need for it in our neighborhoods and communities all across this country. And I know Adel is going to be speaking next week on our country. And he's going to take it from that aspect as well. But you know, we're born as sinners. We're born on that broad road that leads to destruction. And there's only one way out. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. In that movie and in that book, actually, that was written, Pilgrim's Progress, there was a story told of the city of destruction. And Pilgrim was in that city of destruction. And God's wrath and judgment were coming down on that city. 
And so the message, the warning went out and he, he, the message was flee from the wrath to come. God doesn't want to show judgment. He doesn't want to judge us. He doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants to love us and save us. And he wants us to be born again so we can be with him forever. And it all starts with an attitude of repentance in the heart. That's where it starts. And that's when we come to the, to the Savior. The Lord Jesus told the religious leaders of his day, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if you ask this question, well, who was Jesus talking about the righteous? He's talking about the people who think they're righteous, who think they're good, who think they're good enough to go to heaven. They're the righteous. He says, I came to save sinners. Now, the righteous are sinners, too, because the Pharisees, they thought they were righteous. They were self-righteous, but they needed Christ, too. They needed to be forgiven. They needed eternal life, but they rejected it. They wouldn't repent. They refused him. They refused the Savior. But repentance is a turning to the Lord. And I love the fact that on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached to all the people in Jerusalem at that time, 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people. And the message that Peter gave was in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Again, we heard it from John the Baptist. Repent. We heard it from the Lord Jesus. Repent. And now we hear it from Jesus' disciple Peter. He said the same thing. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you turn over to Acts 3.19 and you'll see it on the screen, the same word, basic thing is said when he says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You know, this world is sinful. This world is ugly. This world is dirty morally, spiritually, in so many ways. And when God forgives us and we turn our lives over to him, he cleans us up. He cleanses us. He makes us new creatures in Christ. He gives us a new heart. But he also says, it's your choice. You have to choose to receive Christ. He's not going to force you. He's not going to strong arm you. He's not going to hold your feet to the fire. He says, come to me, follow me, believe in me. But he's not going to force us. And he never forces anyone. And repentance and receiving Christ is a choice. We have to choose to turn around. We're going the wrong way. We have to choose to turn around. And so God wants to rend our hearts. He wants to convict our hearts so that we can see who we are as sinners and how he can make us into saints, how he can make us free from our sins. Repentance is a choice. The great uh, man of God and writer and preacher A.W. Tozer once said, a thousand years of remorse over a wrong act would not please God as much as a change of conduct and a reformed life. God doesn't say, I want you to just be sorry for your sins or just be sorry you got caught for those sins or transgressions. I was driving to church today and I didn't see just one, but I saw two people getting tickets. You know, they violated the law and the San Ramon police had got them for two different violations. It's not enough to be sorry we got caught and say, officer, I'm sorry I was speeding or I'm sorry I ran that red light or I'm sorry I did this or I'm sorry I did that. 
We repentance is more than just being sorry. It's more than just being remorseful. It's realizing that our sins have hurt God's heart. We've wounded his heart. The Bible says that sin is an abomination to the Lord. It's defiling. It's, and there's no sin that can come into the presence of the Lord. And it's only through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross that we can be saved and forgiven and be able to go into the presence of the Lord. But it all starts with an attitude of repentance. I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I have sinned against you. In David's words, in Psalm 51, he says this. He says, against you and you only, he's speaking to the Lord, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Oh, we may sin against each other. We may sin against our friends, our family, our teachers, our bosses, whatever. And that's true. We need to go and ask forgiveness for them. But our sins are really against the Lord. We've wronged Him. We've hurt Him. I think about when Peter, sadly, Denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. It says once he denied the Lord, the third time he went out and wept bitterly because he knew he disappointed the Lord Jesus. He he let him down. And remember, Peter was so gung ho. He says, Lord, even if I die with you, I'm not going to deny you. No, no, no. And we're no different than Peter. We have that old sinful nature and we need to repent and we need to come to him and ask him. To forgive us. Yes, we confess it. I like what the poet says about repentance. He said this. Tis not enough to say I'm sorry and repent. Then go on from day to day. Just as we always went. Repentance is to leave the sins we loved before. And show that we in earnest grieve by doing them no more. That's really what repentance is all about. You're walking in the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. You repent. You turn around. You turn from those things not to go back to them again. The Bible talks about a dog that returns to its own vomit. That's repulsive to us. But that's what we do as a Christian. If we go back to that old life, the old things we used to do, it's like a dog going back to its own vomit. And that's how God sees it. He wants us to live a clean, holy life. And when we do wrong, to repent right away, to confess it right away, to get right with him so that relationship and that fellowship will not be broken. You know, that that old sinful life, those old habits, the devil wants us to go back to them. No, we don't go back to them. But as someone once said, if we repent, God will relent. If we repent, God will relent. What does that mean? If we repent of our sin, God will forgive us our sin and he'll relent of the judgment that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve. It's so true. I know you teach your kids, parents, sometimes, don't lie. Tell me the truth, even if it's bad. Tell me the truth. It'll go easier for you, right, if you tell me the truth. And we teach our kids this, and this is good. This is very good. Because that's what it's all about. Honesty, coming before the Lord and pouring out hearts before him. Say, Lord, I blew it. I messed up. I did wrong. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. I repent. It's true for unbelievers and it's also true, as I said, for God's people. The Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. People are going to perish and it's not God's fault. 
He's given everybody the opportunity to repent. Everyone the opportunity to accept Christ, to believe. Sadly, people are going to wake up in hell with that remorse and regret that they didn't accept Christ as Savior. They didn't do it. They were close. They were so close. One time, so close. They heard a message on the radio. They saw one on TV. They got a gospel trap. They went to a church service. They heard a message. They were so close, yet so far. And that's what repentance means. It means a turning to God from our sin. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, we see that Paul talked about repentance too. He, wasn't the, uh, he was not apart from that either. He says, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a blessing. It really is. But when it talks about in the scripture, repent and believe the gospel, that's what it says. Repent and believe the gospel in Mark chapter one and verse 15. And a writer once said this. It's very interesting. He says, does repent and believe the gospel imply that a sinner must do two things to be saved and not one only? He says the exhortation is really only one requirement. The instruction to leave London and go to Los Angeles is really not, sounds like a twofold request, right? Leave London and go to Los Angeles. But he says it's impossible to go to Los Angeles without leaving London. And it's impossible to repent unless we leave the old behind and then go to the new and accept Christ and accept his will and accept his plan of salvation. Oh, Repentance may seem like it's old fashioned, but it's never out of date because sin has never gone out of date either. Sin in our lives. Repentance involves a change. I read an interesting story and I kind of had to smile because this is a great story. There was a preacher and his name was Gypsy Smith. How many have ever heard of Gypsy Smith? Probably not too many, but he was a great gospel preacher, won many souls to Christ. One day he went to preach in South Africa. And he, meant a, he told the story of a very handsome young Dutch gentleman who came to the service there in South Africa. And God laid his hand on that man that night and convicted him of his sin. Well, the next morning, he went to the beautiful home of another Dutchman. And he said to him, do you recognize that old watch? Do you recognize that old watch? And the gentleman says, why, yes, those are my initials. On the watch. This is my watch. I lost it some eight years ago. Where did you find it? How long have you had it? And the man said this. I stole that watch. And he said, well, why have you brought it back now today? And he said, well, I was converted last night. And I have brought it back first thing this morning. I would have brought it back last night, but you weren't up. That's repentance. That's asking the Lord... And going back and making restitution for what we did for others. That's what it's all about. It's a change. It's a change. And when the Lord changes us, we don't go back to that old life. He gives us a new life, a better life, a greater life in Jesus Christ. Secondly, the second point is the repentance of the believer. The scriptures are filled with stories of believers who needed to repent. And primary one we always think of as we think of David. He committed a dual Sin, right? He committed murder. He murdered. He actually had Uriah, 
murdered the wife of Bathsheba and he committed adultery. So adultery and murder were committed by David. You say, how? He was a godly king. How did he do that? Well, just turn the finger back around at ourselves and see how sinful our hearts are and how sinful our lives are and how merciful God is that he doesn't allow us to commit so many things. Someone said, even as Christians, we have the capability, the capacity in us to commit every sin that's found in the Bible and more. And sadly, Christians who walk away from the Lord and get into sin can do worse sin than even the people of the world. It's sad, but true. We see it in the prophet Jonah. Remember when the Lord said, go to Nineveh, preach the good news there, preach the gospel to these Ninevites. They're going to have them repent. Jonah didn't do it. He didn't like the Ninevites. The Ninevites were enemies of the Israelites. They were very wicked people. They were very mean people. And he didn't want them to be saved. He didn't want them to repent. So he took the first boat the other direction. Go to Tarshish. And all, we all know the story that of what happened at sea. The thing, the storm came up and then they threw Jonah into the water. He was swallowed by the whale. And inside the whale, Jonah repented. He repented inside the whale. I say, Lord, don't let me have to get inside a whale to get, to get to that point of repenting. But sometimes God has to, first he taps us on the shoulder. Dean, dean, dean. I don't listen, of course. Then he comes along with a little stronger kind of grip on us a little bit. And then if that doesn't work, he brings something heavier into our life to get us to repent. He doesn't want his child, his his servants to go astray. He wants to bring us back. And sometimes he has to deal with us very, very strongly because of our will has to be broken. That's what repentance is. It's a breaking of the will. So when finally Jonah repented, it says the whale spit him out right there on the shore that he needed to be at to go to Nineveh. He had gone the other direction. Now God caused him in his repentance to come right back to where he wanted him to be. And when we come back to the Lord, we go down the wrong road. We come right back to where we should have been in the very beginning. We studied in the book of Genesis and how Jacob went back to Bethel. He had left Bethel and God brought him back to Bethel. We have to come back to that place of nearness to God. Well, when he did, he preached the word there to the Ninevites. Do you think a few of them got saved? Do you think a few of them repented? It started with the king. The king of Nineveh took it so seriously that God's judgment was going to come on his city, on his people. He put on sackcloth and ashes. He put dust on his head. He repented. He called on every citizen of that country to repent. And it says 120,000. The whole city, the whole populace of Nineveh These Assyrian people, these wicked people repented. And that's what it was all about. So the prophet who needed to repent preached the message to the people who needed to repent and both of them repented and did God's will. That's fantastic. And that's what God does. That's what he did with Job, too. Job had been living such a godly and holy life. And we know the story about how the devil was there and wanted to tempt Job and God let him do it. And he ended up losing everything, his Kids, his home, his everything. His wife turned against him. We know the story. And Job got so discouraged. And then his friends came with all their speeches about Job is sinning and Job doing wrong. Well, Job says, I haven't done anything wrong. And true, he hadn't in this case. And so finally, after all the words of his friends and all the words of Job, and they were going back and forth and really arguing with that, they finally got to the point where the Lord comes on the scene. And the Lord says, Job, where were you when I created the world? 
Where were you when I created this creature and that creature and this thing and that thing? And after telling him about all the great things he had done, that the Lord had done, finally Job says these words in Job chapter 42 and verse 6. Therefore I abhor or despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes. He says, I repent in dust and ashes. I heard you before. I saw you with the eyes of faith, but now I see who you really are. And Job realized he needed to repent of his attitude. Peter repented. He denied the Lord three times. He repented on the shores of Galilee and God restored him in such a way as he would preach the word and shepherd the flock of God for the rest of his life. Yes, it's one thing to know we need to repent. It's another thing to do it. To do it. We have to do it. To walk close to the Lord and to walk in true repentance. A man named Robert Smith said this, Repentance has a double aspect. It looks upon the past with a weeping eye and it looks upon the future with a watchful eye. In other words, let us remember with a weeping eye how we sinned against our Lord. And then let's, let's remember also with a watchful eye not to go back and do it again. Not to do it again. And yet, our sinful nature, we do something wrong, right? We ask the Lord to forgive us. Then what do we do? We repeat it. We don't want to, but... Sin is in our nature. So we have to constantly ask the Lord to forgive us, constantly ask the Lord to cleanse us, and we have to constantly repent. And so I'm not asking you to repent this morning. I'm saying I need to repent. I repent. And in just a couple of minutes, we're going to hear a song by Steve Green. On the, it's going to be on the thing. And like I said for the wedding, there's boxes of Kleenex because when you hear this song and see it up on the screen, I, I, I heard it three times and I was brought to tears. It is an amazing song. But you know, the Corinthians needed repentance. Remember, they had that man in their midst who had sinned and he had his, mother, his father's uh, wife and everything and there was sin in the midst and that was bad enough. You know, they had to put him out of the fellowship. And then, but what was bad enough is they weren't taking any action at that point. So Paul had to come in and he had to come down heavy on them. And we studied 1 Corinthians and we studied that and, and how he dealt with them. And then we studied in 2 Corinthians how they repented. And I really like what it says in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10. And these were, these were believers and they were ones who had to repent. And he writes in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorrow, sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of this world produces death. Produces death. Repentance is a good thing. The devil wants to say, don't repent. Don't take this. You did Everybody does it. Everybody blows it once. Everybody sins. I mean... Yeah, true, but we need to confess it to the Lord and not to a priest. We don't know. We don't go to the priest to confess our sin. We go directly to the Lord Jesus Christ and confess our sins because he died for our sins. They're already under the blood. They're already forgiven. But by confessing them to him, it restores that close relationship with the Lord like we have with our heavenly father through him. And when we do that, it is such a blessing. I've been reading recently in the Old Testament and I do every year through the scriptures and I've been reading Ezra and Nehemiah. 
And I was so encouraged by these people that, you know, Cyrus made the decree, you can go back to, your, to Jerusalem again, rebuild the temple. And he made that decree and they went back and they rebuilt the walls and they rebuilt the temple. And it was so exciting and there was enemies and people that were opposed to it and the Lord gave the victory. But there's a sad part to this book in Nehemiah and a sad part in the book of Ezra also that talks about men who married foreign women. Now, here they had just come out of idolatry. They had gone into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And now they go back into the land and sin again by taking foreign women. Ezra says, no way is this going to happen. Not on my watch. Nehemiah says, not on my watch. You have to come and give up those women, those wives, and, and confess this sin and repent. And they did. And it says that it was raining that day. It was amazing. And there was so much tears, the tears coming down and flowing and the rain coming down and flowing. But it is a good thing to repent. It's a good thing to confess it. Don't you feel so much better when you come before the Lord and you pour out your heart, you ask him to forgive you and you just feel I'm clean again. I'm I'm feel I'm feel back to normal again, because when we're outside of fellowship with the Lord, that's a dangerous place to be in, number one. And number two, it's a terrible feeling to have unconfessed sin that we haven't dealt with. May the Lord help us to deal with it. And before we close today, I just want to share one more example of repentance. And I think this one might be the greatest example of a repentance found in the Scripture because of who this person was, Manasseh and how evil he was, and how wicked he was, and how many lives he destroyed, and how many people he led astray. Let's read together Second Chronicles chapter 33, verses 9 to 13. And try to envision, try to envision two Manassehs. The old Manasseh, who was so sinful and so wicked, and how God changed his heart. Second Chronicles chapter 33 and verse 9. It says, So Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, and bound him with bronze fetters and carried him off to Babylon. This king that was so wicked and so evil, God had to deal with him. And because he wouldn't listen, God had to bring severe chastisement upon his life. And then it says in verse 12, Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed to him, and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and look what he did for him. He brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. And it says, then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Manasseh repented. He came to that point in realization in his life that I'm here in Babylon because of me. Because of what I did, of all the wickedness and all the sinfulness and all the false gods I brought into worship and led all those people astray and persecuted the prophets and killed them. And he did more wickedness and evil than any other king before him or any other king after him. He was the worst of the worst. 
And yet, when the worst of the worst comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, the best of the best, it results in repentance and salvation and a change. And look at that repentance by Manasseh. It was amazing, amazing repentance. And you only find it, though, it's found in Second Chronicles. The story of Manasseh is in two places. It's in Second Kings and it's in Second Chronicles. But when you read it here, the Holy Spirit is showing us Nobody can be too far gone. Nobody can do, be too far away from God. Nobody can be too sinful to come to the Lord. Be saved and be cleansed. And as a believer, we can never go too far that He can't bring us back in repentance to the Lord. So let's remember today before we see this song that the Lord wants us to repent of our sins. We have to see ourselves as a sinner. We have to see the bad things we did in the light of God's truth and God's holiness. We have to come to Him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior who died on the cross for my sins. I repent of those sins. I turn from them not to go back to them again and to live the life you want me to live. And you pray the prayer of salvation and get saved. And as believers, there's going to be times we need to repent. If it's not today, it's going to be tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, it'll be the next day. There's going to be something in our life that we're going to do wrong. We're going to get off track like that BART train that recently derailed off the track. I take BART every day. I can't imagine a a train going off the track, but there is a spot in Concord where it did it and it went off its track. Well, we as Christians can get off our track. We can get into sin. We can get into so many things and we have to say, Lord, I have sinned. I repent. I turn to you. Forgive me and cleanse me. Bring me back, Lord, like you did with Jonah. Bring me back like you did with David. Bring me back like you did with Manasseh and all these people. The Lord knows our hearts. Shall we just bow in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your patience with us, for your mercy and for your grace. And for those who have yet to receive Christ, Lord, we pray that they will, that are here this morning that don't know the Lord will come to him today. And accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, today is the day to repent, to turn back and be born again. And Lord, it's a day also for believers, Lord, for us who have strayed and anything in our lives that has come between us and you, the the idols that were mentioned in this song and the things that have taken away our attention and our time and have caused us to go down the wrong path, Lord. I say with the songwriter, I repent. Lord, help us to get down on our knees, ask for forgiveness, repent of anything that is displeasing in our lives and not allow it to come between us, Lord. And so we pray that you will take this word, help us to remember it, help us to be close to you, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.